connected with our church, there's a need they call because you pray. We need you to pray, Pastor. I, I'm so-and-so's cousin of third twice removed from so-and-so, such-and-such, and we just need prayer. Uh, and, and, and if people, the outside opinion is, is that we're praying, that excites me. People coming into our church, finding out that we pray, it excites me. There was a, a, an individual a few years back that uh, was sick. They were not a part of our church. Uh, they were facing some pretty serious illnesses. Uh, they had family that came to our church, and then they had family that went to other churches as well. And the family from our church, when they would go visit this individual, they would say, listen, I want you to pray for me because there's just something different about your prayers. I want you to pray for me. And then at the same time, they would say, we know our pastor has already been here from another church that I won't name, has already been here and prayed for him, but when Pastor Mark comes and prays, there's something different. How many of us know that it doesn't take too many graduations to go to that when a kid gets up and prays, prays you can usually tell which ones really pray and which ones don't really pray? And that's not an insult against our kids that prayed, but I mean, let's be honest this morning. You can tell something by a person by how they pray. And for example, we went to, um, it was a National Day of Prayer several years back. Pastor Mark wasn't able to be there. And I come walking up to the, to the service and, and they grab me and they say, Hey, Pastor Bob, we need you to, to pray for something. And I said, Okay. So I walk up to the microphone and just on the fly, just start praying for a need. And I didn't think anything about it. You know, you pray, you just pray. So I walk away from the microphone. And after the thing was over, a lady comes up to me and she says, Hello, I'm... I'm Mrs. Rineker. I'm the, the principal from the Baptist school down here. Now, before I tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you, uh, the Baptist school had shut their doors to anybody from the outside coming in and speaking to their kids. You say, well, that's rude. Well, <laughs> it may appear that way if, if we're pious, but the truth of the matter is, is you wouldn't want somebody outside coming in and teaching some doctrine that we don't agree with to our kids on a regular basis. That's what they were dealing with. So they shut it down. Said nobody from the outside. Mrs. Rineker walks up to me. She says, hello, you must be Pastor Bob. I said, yeah. And she said, I'm Mrs. Rineker. I am the principal for the Baptist school here in town. She said, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by how they pray. Do you think you'd be willing to come and teach in our uh, chapel services on Wednesdays? Sure. And throughout the process, I was able to develop a, a great relationship with her, to develop relationships with the kids that are there. I was able to develop a good relationship with Pastor Joe and Pastor Andy down there. Listen, church, prayer says a lot about people. And people know when you pray, and they know when you aren't praying. I checked on the inside of us here. We, we went through the whole questionnaire thing again, and, and, uh, and people on the inside of us, have said over and over and over that First Assembly of God is a church that prays. I know this isn't anything that's going to make anybody shout this morning. I know this isn't anything that's going to make anybody do cartwheels. Prayer is not one of those things that's up front that makes everybody get all excited and say, wow, that man right there, he's praying. And it's not one of those things that's glorified. We have a prayer partner ministry in our church. Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Stanley. <laughs> Brother Stanley uh, had a desire to see that happen probably about eight, nine years ago. And over the last eight, nine years, it's developed. 
And uh, people meet every Sunday morning throughout our Sunday school time period, and they're seeking God. They're interceding for this service. They're interceding and praying for our teachers. They're crying out our teachers' names uh, while you're teaching the Sunday school class. They're praying for Carla. They're praying for the worship team. They're praying for me. They're praying for the move of God in this service. And they do that every Sunday. Not only that, but when you're a prayer partner, you commit to the fact that you are going to pray specifically one day a month is your intensive, passionate prayer day where you are going to set aside some time, maybe some extra time, maybe fast, and set aside a day to really focus and pray and intercede for the people in our church, for our leadership, for myself, for our board, for, uh, for anybody in any ministry, as well as interceding and praying for the lost that they would come to know Christ. Do you know that inside of our church and interwoven through our very being is the fact that we want to see God move and we think that prayer has something to do with it? That excites me. Well, Pastor Bob, good grief. You get up and you pray before service. You pray over the offering. You pray for needs. You pray through worship. And then after worship, you pray again. Then you pray for Memorial Day. And then we get up and we start talking, do all this stuff. You're going to have altar time, pray again. Then you'll pray for a dismissal prayer. Good grief, is that all you do is pray? Insult me again. Come on, man, insult me again for praying too much. You tell me, should I not talk to my Lord and Savior? Should I not speak to my God? Should I not be in constant communion and alignment and fellowship with my Lord and Savior? Isn't He the one that I'm going to be gazing upon all through eternity? Isn't He the only avenue and pathway for salvation? Good grief, shouldn't I talk to Him occasionally? (laughs) Insult me again. Tell me we're a church that prays too much. Is it possible? To be too close to God? Is it possible to be too determined to see the lost come to Christ? Is it it wrong to pray for healing? Is it wrong to do the work of God? I don't think so. I think that we've been commanded to pray. I think the first church was a praying church. I think that God has called us and commissioned us to be a praying church. Well, we talk about it and we say it's on the inside. We say that others say it about us. I want to know if we have fruit or not. We're praying church because this is what I got last weekend, last Sunday. I leave the service. And there's two little hands here. It says, thank you for being our leaders. We are praying for you. And when you close it, the little hands come together. Isn't that sweet? That came from our little people's church, and everybody signed their name. Teresa Allison and uh, Amanda are down there teaching our children to pray. Oh, come on. You may not be excited about that. You may not be excited about it to see some little kid that's preschool age, that isn't even in school yet, learning about the power of prayer. Learning that we pray for our leaders. Listen, church, it excites me when we start instilling our core values in our children. We didn't even know it was a core value, but look, it's happening. It excites me when I leave our preschool classes and I go up into Carla's class and they're praying for one another. It excites me when I go look in the youth room and I see them praying before service and praying around the altars. It excites me when I come in here on Wednesdays and we take 15, 20 minutes and we go over prayer requests and we pray for needs and people are marking things up and writing stuff down and circling things because I know that when they leave, they're going to pray for somebody. Why? Because prayer changes things. Prayer doesn't just move God's hand, it moves us. 
And it changes us. And it brings us to a place to where we are in a position to be used of God and to receive of God as well. That excites me. And look here, all these little names. Phoebe. Some of them I can't read. Jackson. Jalen. Moldy. Lakin. Jada. Caden. Haley. Bella. These little kids, my friends, are not just down there playing games. They're learning a core value that they're going to carry throughout the rest of their life. And not only have we trained them up to pray, but we have ministry here in our church as adults for them to continue to do it. Let's look here. I I have four fruit this morning. Four things to evaluate about our church that I get from Scripture. Uh, Do we have fruit? Number one, Matthew 26, we'll read it in just a second. But number one, the fruit of a praying church is a church that is holy. The fruit of a praying church is a church that is holy. Matthew 26, verse 32 says, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You say, Pastor Bob, that's a whole lot of reading for one point it is, but I want to make a very clear point to us this morning. We see where the disciples are very prideful, very comfortable. The Savior was with them. There was no need to fast. There was no need to weep. There was no need to mourn. The Savior was with them and they were comfortable with it. And Peter steps up and says, Lord, even if all others... (laughs) I never will, Lord. There's this comforting attitude in the church that says, I'm going to be just fine. And Jesus warned Peter and he said, look, if you don't stop this, if you don't change it, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 Lord. And the others all joined in and said, oh, no, no, we would never do that. It's the mentality. I have heard people say this in today's day and age. Well, if I was walking with Jesus, I wouldn't have deserted him. If I had seen Jesus face to face, listen, my friend, (laughs) we are such cowards. We only like somebody to look at us cross-eyed. 
let alone threaten our lives. Peter was so bold in saying, Lord, I will not, I will not, I will not. But look what happened. I want to focus on this verse, verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The mentality of these disciples was to maintain their attitude that everything's okay because the Savior is right here with me. It's dangerous for a church to be prayerless. It's dangerous for a church to be comfortable and prayerless. Why? Because they're comfortable. And then when the time comes, they fall into temptation. You see, can I tell you that that Jesus told him to pray now so that you don't fall into temptation later. A lot of times people want to wait and pray when the problem comes when they should have been praying the day before. The mentality for a lot of churches is to say we pray, but then they don't pray, and then they fall into the fleshly temptation. You say, what's the temptation? Well, I like to believe that because our church's core value, because of who we are, who we have always been, is an attitude of prayerful mentality to seek God. Is that we've avoided a lot of the strife, a lot of the trouble, a lot of the division, a lot of the splits, a lot of the problems that rise up through the flesh. Can I get an amen? We've avoided that because somebody is seeking God. Now, what we're not doing is we're not putting it all on our prayer partners. We've got 35, 40 people seeking God throughout the month. We've got 45, 30, 30, 40 people seeking God on Sundays, and that's warding off all the evil spirits. Oh, no, my friend, that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is, is the people of God will seek God, and when the people of God are seeking God, they position themselves to know who He is for themselves to be addressed by the Holy Spirit, to be changed. I like to think that we haven't just naturally avoided the stuff that everybody else is dealing with, the conflict, the the agendas, the fighting, the arguing. I like to think that we're avoiding it because the people of God are being addressed by the Holy Spirit through prayer. That may not excite you. But when people have the proper perspective, a lot of these issues aren't there. And prayer will bring the proper perspective. Peter had an opportunity to pray. The disciples had an opportunity to pray. Before the test came, before the trial came, and they chose not to, and they were scattered. A church that is a praying church is a holy church because they're in tune with the Spirit of God. Secondly, a praying church is a growing church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak and other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We all know that after this, Peter becomes a preacher. Peter, who was afraid and and turned away and ran, now all of a sudden steps up. We see in Acts chapter 1 where they were looking for somebody to replace Judas, and they approached that with prayer. The church, the early church, 
was not just a praying church, but they were a church that was praying with a passionate, spirit-filled prayer. Let's look some more. Acts 2.40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, there were two different times in that passage where the word added were being, was being used. And you look and you see the core values of the early church. The core values are very clear. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word of God and to fellowship fellowshipping with one another, breaking of bread together, and to prayer. Prayer. You see, the mentality for a lot of people is to look for some kind of great paradigm, seeker-friendly mentality that's going to try to grow a church. Listen, church, that is the model for us to follow. Well, there's only four amens in that when I thought I was in a Pentecostal church. I didn't know where I was... Maybe did I show up somewhere down the street somewhere? I won't name the churches. But anyway, the model is a Pentecostal model. The people prayed. They changed from being in the Garden of Gethsemane and being tired and being weak to recognizing, wow, what Jesus did, He prayed, He obeyed the Lord even to death. We did not pray, we disobeyed and ran. There's got to be a connection there somewhere. So they're seeking God. You go and wait. They're praying for leadership. And now they're in, they're in the upper room. They're in one accord. They're together. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's boldness there. They preach the word of God. 3,000 are added to the church that day. There's a, there's a distinction here, my friends. A praying church is a growing church. Why? Because a praying church is an attractive church because the word of God is taught. There's fellowship. There's prayer. There's life. Nobody wants to come into something that's dead. Nobody wants to come to a dead church. There's dead churches dying all over the place. They're dead and they don't even know it yet. It's not a house of prayer. It's a house of gathering. It's a house of friendship. It's a a house of other things. But there's no prayer involved. There's no life change involved. In light of this and fruit, I have to stand here and think to myself, are we seeing growth? For us to say this is one of our core values and that prayer connects itself with that, are we seeing growth? Well, yes. Over the last year, our average church attendance has gone up by 25 or so on our Sunday services. At least that much. And then not only that, across our children's ministries and our youth ministries. You know, last week in our youth outreach on a Wednesday night with tornado warnings and thunderstorms all around, we had about 90 kids show up. Now listen, you say, okay, well you had some games, you had some prizes, you had some... Listen, what I'm about to tell you is going to excite you because it did me, and I never said anything to Pastor Sam about it, but I was excited when I heard it. This is what was said. Tuesday. Planning. Okay, what jobs are we going to have to get done to get everything organized, get down there, get everything set up? In talking to uh, Pastor Sam, Devin, and, and Zach Alvey. Sitting there discussing these things. Well, we've got this. What time are we going to be here? What time are we going to do that? And I said, I'm going to start about 10 o'clock because in my mind, I knew I was going to have my time with the Lord. 
Devin and Zach, well, what time should we be there? And Pastor Sam, I hear this out of his mouth. He says, you know what? Uh, be here about nine o'clock or so because I've got to seek God about this too. Did you hear what I just said? It isn't just a preparation of, of, of grills and food and games. It's a bathing it in prayer attitude. And then he turned to, to Zach and Devin and he said, and you two need to do the same thing. Listen, yeah, there were games. Yeah, there were giveaways. Yeah, there was music. Yeah, there was also thunderstorms, lightning, and horrible things out there that we had three people looking at weather just waiting to say, shut her down. But in the process, 90 kids. Why? Because I like to think that that prayer had something to do with it. I like to think that maybe seeking God on behalf of these things and bathing things in prayer and praying things through like the church used to talk about and knowing that God is involved and that all this is bigger than us, knowing that, that something has taken place and God is moving. You can be excited about that or you don't have to. I like to think, church, that the 13 different people that are in our new members class right now are in here because of something to do with prayer. I like to think that the, even the others that aren't in there yet that have already asked and been uh, inquiring about becoming members of our church, I like to think that there's some kind of a connection there with the presence of God in our lives as we seek Him and He's moving in our church that He's moving in the lives of others. And they say, I think I might want to be a part of this. Amen. Numbers are being added. It excites me. Thirdly, Acts chapter 12, a praying church positions themselves for the miraculous. Now we talked about this passage here a couple weeks ago where Peter was thrown into prison by King Herod. And verse 5 of Acts 12 says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And we know that an angel came and struck him on the side and said, get up. The chains fell off. He walked out. The angel escorted him out. He comes to his senses and he goes uh, to their house. And in verse 12, it says, When he dawned on, himself, on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Listen, church, God wants us to seek him in all situations. And there are times where he will miraculously intervene in ways that we didn't even expect. This girl was so excited, she didn't even open the door. And then when she told him, they said, you're out of your mind. Sometimes we can pray and seek God for things and have such little faith in Him do it. And we go, wow, God, you are good. Our God is great, amen? Just like the word this morning. Don't ever forget how great your God is, church. And it happens through prayer. They said, we can't do anything. He's in jail. We're going to kill him. It must be his spirit because we don't know what to do. All we can do is just pray to God and put it in God's hands. And all of a sudden, he's at the door. You see, a church that is praying is a church where it positions itself to see the miraculous, where it positions itself to see the miracles take place that we long to see. It's through prayer. Where's the fruit? Is it happening? Well, I can tell you about a month ago, not to embarrass Bob Messick, but about a month ago, in our youth service, Bob was prayed for and healed and since has been to the doctor for proof. 
Glory to God. Bob had a sickness. Bob was dealing with something. And he said, look, I'm going to give it to God. Pastor Sam laid hands on him, prayed for him. Boom. He said, I felt heat. It was gone. And he said, I just know I'm healed. Went back to the doctor. The doctor says, there ain't nothing there. It's gone. Hallelujah. Our God is a healing God. Our God is the same God that we're in here praying on Wednesday nights and we're praying for a little baby that's still inside the womb that's got a hole in its heart. And then the next uh, a week later we hear that the hole's gone. God is a healing God. The same God where we sit here and we say, well, we need somebody to pray for uh, my sister or my brother for different ones that have been straying from the Lord and there's been no contact and there's been issues, there's been trouble. And then all of a sudden, two to three weeks later, they say, man, something's happening. They just called me and said, I need you to pray for me. God is moving and it happens by prayer. It excites me when, I, when I'm putting that stuff down the list and we update it every week and I see people writing names down and circling things and putting check marks by something because we know and we know and we know and we know that they're taking them home and they're dividing it up through the week and they're praying for people, they're contacting people. It excites me because I know there's going to be more and more and more praise reports. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I remember being 15 years old and feeling like I was going to die coming home from camp just thinking it was the camp food. It was horrible. I thought I, I was in such pain and my sister jumps on my stomach. So you're not sick. Well, my appendix burst. My appendix burst and had been burst for quite a while. Finally get to the doctor and the doctor opens me up, emergency appendectomy, opens me up and says, wow, the infection didn't move. It somehow contained itself in this little area. Glory to God. Why? Because we have a praying church. The same church that prayed for my baby girl in the womb. I know you hear me talk about it all the time. I don't care. I'll proclaim it to my grave. I've got the pictures at home of the ultrasound. I've got the pictures at home of the ultrasound. Our first ultrasound we go to and we see a little baby squished in there with nothing but just the shape of a baby laying sideways inside my wife's womb. And April said, she looks really squished. And the lady goes, mm-hmm. And then we go to the doctor and they said, baby ain't going to live. Baby can't make it. Baby's going to die. Need to abort the baby. Why? There's no amniotic fluid. You see, there's no space in this picture. There's no black stuff. It must always be black stuff. There's got to be black stuff for the baby to breathe. If it doesn't breathe the amniotic fluid in, then, then the, the lungs won't develop. The urinary tract won't develop. The digestive system won't develop right. Baby's going to die. At best, if baby lives, baby will be a vegetable, a vegetable the rest of its life. It's still not too late. We can abort. We want a second opinion. So we come home, destroyed, crushed, crying, weeping, all the way home from Champaign, Illinois. And we split cars off at Danville, and I got back in my vehicle, April got in hers, and we come home, and I was weeping and crying out to God, and I fell to peace. And then April felt a little bit of peace a couple weeks later, and the church was praying and seeking God. We had the uh, second opinion at, at the hospital. They go in, and, and they start putting, and they put the little thing on April's belly, and they start looking for the baby. And all of a sudden, the first thing I see is a profile, praise God, of my baby's face, and I've got the picture. It's in her box. She can tell you the story about it, because we tell her. A profile of my baby's face with nothing but black around it. She put on five pounds before, that, before she went into that hospital. Put on five pounds. She said, I just gained five pounds. I said, sweetie, it's amniotic fluid. I'm just going to believe God it is. We walked in there. She put that on and she said, what was the problem again? We said, well, there was no amniotic fluid. She said, well, I just measured it and it's as normal as it could possibly be in the center of the spectrum. Why? 
Because this church is a praying church that positions itself to see the miraculous. That's why. Today, she can tell you the story. Today at seven, telling me, I feel called into the mission field at age seven. Today as she plays the piano and and sings worship and, and seeks God and reads the Word, she's read it from cover to cover before she was even 12 years old. I'm telling you that God's got a plan and the enemy may try to destroy it. The enemy may try to take it. She was not supposed to be born, but neither was I. I was never to be born, my friend. I was the baby that my mother prayed for. She wasn't to have anymore. God has a plan and the miraculous takes place. Here's the thing. It's not just my life. It's all through this church. We could sit here for the next two to three hours and share stories of the goodness of God, the prayer and the miraculous that God has done in our midst. I'm telling you this morning, it's fruit because of our core value of prayer. And if we get away from it, we're going to lose all of it. It's who we are, church. It's who we are. You look at these names. You look up pray or prayed in your uh, concordance and here's the names you're going to find next to the words. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samson, Hannah, Samuel, Saul, David, Elijah, Elisha, Hezekiah, Nehemiah, Daniel, Jonah, Jesus, Stephen, Peter, Paul, John. That does not include the words they or them or any of those other words. These are only the ones that are named. You tell me, did these people see miraculous things in their lives? So will we if we pray. I need to hurry up. Fourthly, lastly, as Amber comes, she can just go ahead and come up. We're going to close this out pretty quick. Fourthly and lastly, a church that prays is a church that truly fulfills God's will. A church that prays is a church that truly fulfills God's will. Luke 19 says this, verse 45, Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Closing this out this morning, I just want to encourage you that this building, (laughs) it's not just bound to these walls, church. It's not bound here. You and I have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I. Jesus was frustrated because they took the temple and men changed its goals and its motivation for themselves instead of the will of God. They turned it into a place where, where people could come in and make gain off of the people of God that, and, and, and they couldn't come in and connect with God. It's not about these walls. It's about you and me. If that temple had become a place full of, of, of thieves and robbers... We have a tendency to allow into our hearts and into our minds an attitude of that of thieves and robbers. God placed His Spirit within us to be in constant communication with Him. It's not something we do inside these walls alone. It's who we are. And if we move away from who we are, and who God has called us to be, we move ourselves away from the will of God and we cease to exist as a body fulfilling the will of God. We cannot be a church that does not pray. Because if we do, the heart of Jesus is to come in here and turn over the pews and say, get back to what it is I told you you are. You see, the first church was a praying church. Passionate, Pentecostal, 
spirit-filled prayer that could not be contained in four walls. It moved out. Can I tell you, it's still moving. Can I tell you that the Assemblies of God is moving mightily across this world? Can I tell you that the missionaries, the majority, overwhelming majority of missionaries in this world are Pentecostal? Why? Because the Spirit of God has entered their life and has, has, is, is working in them to be the witnesses that we've been called to be. Church, I don't want to fulfill anything other than the will of God in this church and in this community. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. We stand firm, we stand firm with the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have all these things, the shield of faith. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the Spirit. All these things people exalt and talk about, and they're all important. But look at verse 18. It says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Church, in closing, very, very seriously, to finish this out. You can put on the Word of God. You can put on the helmet of salvation. You can have all this stuff, the shield of faith, all these things that every other denomination talks about on the face of the earth. But if you refuse to pray and to do it with a spirit and attitude, I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about praying in the Spirit. Spirit-led prayer. If you're not willing to tap into the Spirit and to commune into fellowship with God, you're missing it. It's got to be there. It's just as important as the helmet of salvation. It's just as important as your shield of faith. It's just as important as the, of the buckle. It's just as important as your breastplate of righteousness. My friend, you're not going to attain righteousness if you're not seeking God. And you're not going to attain righteousness if you don't have the word of truth. And if you're not going to take it somewhere, if you're not going to put it on your feet and go somewhere, why in the world would you have it to begin with? It all works together. And we've got to have prayer in our life to power it all so this morning this is how we're going to close out the service how do you close out a service on prayer we're going to pray we're going to pray why don't you stand with me real quick Amber's going to lead us in some worship here in just a minute I want to stir you with two verses quickly before we pray I want to stir your heart up if you have a need today John 14, 12, Jesus' words, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. James 5 says this, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has, need, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Church, listen to me. I'm going to pray for you this morning. If you have need this morning, if you have a physical need, if you have a spiritual need, whatever your need is, I just simply want you to come up here, and we're going to pray with you. When Amber starts to sing, just feel free to come. 
move up here, friends, prayer partners. If you want to join us and pray with somebody, you can pray with them. If you've got to leave, I realize the hour's late. If you've got to sneak out, that's fine. Just do it quietly. But my friend, if you want God to move in a situation in your life, here's the place, here's the time, now is the time. It's time for us to apply our faith to who we say we are. Amen? Amen. Would you come this morning? If you just want to seek the Lord, you can just come seek the Lord. If you have a prayer need, please stand up here in the middle so I can see you and we'll pray with you.